As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to the Weekend Preview on the Athletic Football Podcast sponsored by Bet365. On Fridays, we're here to preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action and as ever, I've got George Ellick and bet 365 Steve Freeth alongside me to help. How are you both? Yeah, all good. All good. Nice to have the Champions League back. Uh, nice to have yeah. the relentless... Saturday, well, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek back when you're working in football, no time to rest. But I guess we can't complain, can we? Because, you know, it's not a bad job being able to talk about football and watch lots of football in the week. No, the more football, the better. Steve, I mean, you've been watching some championship, but it is great to have the Champions League back. It's such a good tournament, so good to watch. It is, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, obviously, being an Albion fan, we don't really talk about European football, unlike some <laughs> of our uh, unlike some of our uh, Midlands neighbours. Um, but yes, yeah, 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 we did once, yeah, or twice. Uh, yeah, I remember a game against what, Valencia. The, um, the Anglo-Italia Cup was that, I think. <laughs> don't you start. You're an Oxford fan. Come on. Um, but no, no, it is right. It's, uh, it's fantastic to have it back and some uh, some fair results as well plenty of thrills and spills and uh, yeah, Barcelona the great difficult demise watch. Eh? difficult watch Barcelona I, I thought they started okay actually but then they just just descended into this team has got nothing now that felt like I mean Steve I, I think they're about even money buying were to win that game and it felt like the equivalent of Floyd Mayweather uh, against uh, Conor McGregor where Anybody I spoke to who was in any way sharp was saying, "If you if you back Bayern on on Tuesday yeah. night, it seemed like the world's favourite bet, and it was you know, and it was proven to be value." Anybody who says there's no such thing as value in top level football, I think that is case in point of there being of that not necessarily being the case because Bayern completely blitzed them. Yeah, very much so. Uh- I mean, they were a bit, even a bit shorter than uh, than even money. Um, I mean, if you look at it, you know, Bayern Munich, fantastic away from home. Um, and just the 18th successive uh, opening group game victory as well. I think it was Barcelona's first defeat since losing to Newcastle in 97. Ah, you, really? you remember you remember Tino Esprilla getting a hat-trick in that game? <laughs> uh, you know, how times have changed for, for Newcastle, as I'm sure we'll come on to later. And just Lewandowski again, just bagging another two goals, you know. Oh, it's um, a joke. 18th successive game that he scored in and, and, and you won't be surprised to know he's actually favourite to be top Champions League goal scorer. 
Yeah, he makes even his goals that look simple. That they, they aren't simple. He, he just makes it makes it look simple because of the the type of finisher he is. Even he's, he's tapping toe poke. It's, it's not an easy finish that, but he's prodded it home. I mean, you mentioned Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor. He's a bit like Conor McGregor fighting a YouTuber. I thought, and if that YouTuber <laughs> YouTuber was me, because they was just they just had no chance, did they? Bar so no, I looked at their team before the game on paper and just thought, wow, how the mighty have fallen. There is plenty of content on The Athletic at the moment around the Champions League, the Premier League and everything in between. So let me quickly remind you that you can sign up to The Athletic at the moment and save 33% in the process. So that's just £3.33 a month for 12 months. To take advantage of that offer, just go to theathletic.com slash football pod. Going down that line. Sergei chasing after him. The cross coming in and it's a good one. Right, enough Champions League. Let's do what we're here to do then. And Steve, Newcastle United against Leeds. Steve Bruce, just an apathy around Newcastle, an apathy around Steve Bruce. I mean, you've mentioned the Tino Asprey days, the, the Champions League. Those days could not be further away. No, I, and you know what? I've got a bit of sympathy for Steve Bruce. I, I mean, he's getting, it seems like he's getting battered from everywhere at the moment. You know, he seems to have fallen out with the press. I'll say the local press. Um, of course, the fans are on his back. I mean, the, the statement that Newcastle sent out as well, you know, after the transfer window as well. I'm not saying that statement was pointed a few fingers, but it seemed to, you know, say a few things in there about the business that they did, uh, you know, bringing Willock in and, and, and not a great deal out. And it seems to be going the way that it did for, for Villa, Dan, when, when Bruce was there. You know, the fans just gradually just getting really peed off, you know, with the hmm. with the football that they've actually seen. And, you know, I, I think there was a report, wasn't there, about uh, Graham Potter and, and, and Steve Bruce. You know, he's, hmm. you know, he's done a better job than that. Um, and ever since Bruce, he's been there. I mean, last season, I think, was bang average for them. They probably finished, they probably got the same amount of points that they probably should have done the season before. I think they were extremely lucky. And already, you know, they're at the bottom of the league as far as that is concerned with, you know, with expected points as well. They've actually scored some goals this season, haven't they, um, for them? I think the, clearly the issues at the back, you know, winless after four yeah. games, consider the most goals in the Premier League. The fans up against him now. I, I was at Burton in pre-season and, 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 and you could just sense it at Burton, you know, and closely. Newcastle fans are frustrated. They're frustrated with the owner and they're frustrated with the manager now as well. Not a happy scenario for them like on Tyneside. No, I did think 4-1 flattered Manchester United a, a little bit against Newcastle last week, especially in the first half. I, I thought Newcastle were quite good. I kind of feel a bit sorry, George, for Steve Bruce, because you do feel like he's operating in some ways with his, his hands tied behind his back, but then also feel the same about the players under his tactics. So it, it's just a mess all round, isn't it? Yeah, I kind of see what you mean. And, you know, the Joel Linton signing was certainly one that he had nothing to do and was a massive waste of, of what little resources Mike Ashley was willing to hand over to the, to the in terms of strengthening the playing squad. But I, I touched on it last week and it was quite telling. I mean, I was not particularly complimentary about Steve Bruce last week and I got a tweet from a Newcastle fan afterwards saying, I can't believe you said that Steve Bruce is, is good at um, organising his team in a low block. Everything else you said was spot on though. So even the one the one shred of a compliment I gave was still picked <laughs> up upon by a Newcastle fan and, and I can kind of understand where he's coming from and, and you know the, the comparison between Graham Potter and Steve Bruce is is 
just it, it's a remarkably binary way to look at football um, to, to compare just win records and not look at the processes that are put in place in order to get there to not look at the way that individual players are brought along to not look at the style of football that it, it plays a massive part in whether or not fans want to watch their team play football I don't think Newcastle fans would have any issue with Steve Bruce if they had had exactly the same points tally for the last four seasons or three seasons under Bruce playing an attacking brand of football scoring more goals conceding more goals but trying to get the ball down and play and that is a big part of of being a football fan so Steve Bruce is evidently a very very popular man I think you can tell most journalists who who work with him and work closely with him at clubs tend to hold him in very, very high regard. And I think that's why often the narrative around Bruce is quite often fans pitched against media. And that's what we've seen again this week. But there's there's no question in my mind that he should be doing more with this Newcastle squad. It, it's not like he's been dealt a poor hand. I said it last week, you've got Almiron, you've got Willock, you've got Samaxima. He's all exciting attacking players. Um, and just slowly and surely it becomes negative and they are not given the freedom to express themselves and it's all about the shape and the structure uh yeah I agree with you that that they were quite unfortunate it was frustrating for me having tipped up the draw at half time to see Ronaldo knocking it in after Woodman spilt it just on the stroke of half time um because it went the way I expected they were they were very good at frustrating Manchester United and preventing them from creating anything uh clear cut but at the end of the day 90 minutes is probably too long to do that on a regular basis and we've seen them have periods of seasons where they pick up a lot of points in, in a short space of time which pushes them away from the relegation zone it's going to be tough for them to do that this season I'm really concerned and the biggest concern is when you get a team like Newcastle who you know that their natural position isn't embroiled in that relegation fight you know that a decision will be made on the manager's future when it gets close to that at Newcastle you don't know that fan pressure doesn't seem to matter the way that it's going on the pitch doesn't really seem to matter either so it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's still there and we're having the same conversation in February or March where they're even closer to, to a return to the championship I really feel Newcastle fans would be better off saying they love Steve Bruce and chanting his name all through the game because that would probably have a, the reaction they want from Mike Ashley because the more they, they don't like him, the more I feel like Mike Ashley will just keep him there, such is the way Newcastle are, are run. Another, I mean, you could say, I mean, it is, I think, probably a good chance of a win for Newcastle. That They need a win, really, but, but so do Leeds, Steve. They haven't got off to a, haven't got off to a fly. I mean, Bielsa is never going to be under pressure there, but they could do with a win as well on Friday night. Yeah, very much so. A bit of a toughish start, Dan, really, wasn't it? But I was really disappointed with that performance at, at Turf Moor, I have to say. Um, but I suppose for them, the season does start now. They're, they're top of the fixture ticker, aren't they, with games against Newcastle, West Ham, Watford, Southampton and Wolves. Um, obviously, the you know, the Liverpool game, you know, Liverpool had an awful lot of shots, didn't they? Um, they got o- overrunning that game. Um and Bamford, I know he's working extremely hard for the team, but um, it didn't have many touches um, in that game. Uh, very, very unselfish. Um, but it, it's a worrying time. Listen, they're very short leads to win this game. They are they are considerable favourites. And um, yeah, I think the bookmakers expect them to get off to a good start. Like I say, Bielsa is never going to be under pressure, George, but it, it, is there a, a worry about second season syndrome? I don't think so. I, I think it's been a case of, of, a, of a difficult start. I mean, there's no denying that Leeds have to improve the way that they attack uh, against better sides. You know, we've seen twice this season, they haven't changed the way that they go forward, but they've been pretty toothless against Manchester United and Liverpool while still conceding all the chances. Whereas last season we saw at times, you know, there were they were games where they were creating loads and the opposition were creating loads too. So they need to work that out. I still think we're finally going to see them coming up against sides who are far weaker than them and I expect them to beat them fairly comfortably. There was a period... 
a couple of months into last season where those who seemed to rally against anything that's deemed to be football hipster in the game um, were very keen to point out that maybe Leeds were going to get relegated. It was nonsense at the time. It's proven to be nonsense again. And they just need uh, a run of games where it's maybe a little bit simpler. They easily could have beaten Everton, which in itself would have been very good form given how well Everton have done under Benitez. Um, but this is a big game because this is this should be their bread and butter. This should be the, the kind of game where they're able to, to carve through Newcastle pretty comfortably, uh, as we saw Manchester United do uh, in the back end of the second half. So it's not going to be easy given the you know the injury to Rente and, and Strikes um, suspension as well. It leaves them short at centre back. But frankly, there's no better team to play when you're short at centre back at the moment than Newcastle. So um, yeah, I expect them to win it. Yeah, if you are interested in deeping diver, deeping diver. If you are interested in diving <laughs> deeper into Leeds United, then we had Phil Hay on this podcast feed earlier on in the week. Did a did a look at Bielsa and the future and, and the past and how it's all come together with Leeds. So make sure you go back and check that podcast out if you haven't done so already. Phil's been a very busy boy because he's also been writing about Rodrigo Steve, and he's yeah. he's one of those players that you just kind of you know he costs a lot of money. He comes in with pedigree, you just kind of forget about him. I don't if, when I think of Leeds. I don't think of him at all, and that, that's bizarre. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, Phil Hay, by the way, he's, uh, he's a great operator, one of my favourites um, at The Athletic, I have to say. Um, yeah, it's. I thought he was going to kick on this season. Hasn't happened as yet, and I suppose why that's why there was that a link with, with Barcelona. I think originally Barcelona had planned for Griezmann to go, and then for a while it looked like he was he was going to stay. And then Atleti came in late on, um, you know, and us, you know, I suppose Barca were like scrambling around for a, for a replacement. Really, um, he knows La Liga, of course. I think he's a Barcelona type of player. Um, wasn't playing a great deal at Leeds last season, um, but I don't think Leeds were were willing to do the deal. Um, a because they wanted the players still, and B it was probably going to be a loan deal, but. Is he a, is Rodrigo a number nine? I know there's been a debate about about you know, where he's playing at the moment. You know, should he be a number nine? But this is going to sound a lot like our, our Greenwood chat at the start of the season because he's not a number nine plan. And simply, I think his best positions are when he when he plays wide, when he comes inside, um, or off a striker. And you know what? You know why he's not a number nine, Dan? Because he's extremely unselfish. But it, it, it's interesting because you know he did play as. A nine, and for you know, no one can see, but I'm doing air quotes here <laughs> at, at, at Valencia. But his job wasn't as you know, it was almost to, as a creative nine rather than yeah. uh, a player who, who was going to score a lot of goals. And he, that's where he's very good. You know, he's go- good at receiving the ball with his back to goal, looking for players to, to bring into goal scoring opportunities. He'd be a dream for the likes of Rafinha to play off. The issue is, is since he's come into the club, Patrick Bamford's been in incredible form and has been fit. So he's he hasn't had an opportunity to play there. No. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and being creative in that kind of false nine role, although it wasn't really false, I mean, he did play up high, is very, very different to being creative playing in a withdrawn role. And, and often, you know, in Phil's piece, it said Bielsa sees him as a number 10. He, he doesn't play as a 10. He plays deeper than no. that. He, he, he often plays as a, basically just a an eight, you know, as a centre midfielder uh, alongside Phillips when he does play, when often he can move into the channels. But it's asking a lot of him. Now, Marcelo Bielsa is is an absolute expert at changing the way the players play and, you know, turning them out in different positions. Calvin Phillips is the best example. Jack Harrison, another one who's a very, very different player to the player who turned up at Leeds. So who am I to doubt him? But buying a player for £27 million at that stage of their career and trying to shoehorn them into a system that doesn't really fit 
it looks to me at the moment like a like a pretty poor signing to be honest yeah be interesting to see what develops through the season they certainly need more from him with the money they've spent so they're gonna have to try and get a tune out of him in some way steve you've got a tip for this game yeah, even though Callum Wilson's going to be missing for this one, um, they are going to be facing a Leeds defence. Clearly, that George has mentioned missing a number of uh, number of players that's conceded the most shots on target in the Premier League as well. So I'm going to go in for over three and a half goals in this one, hoping for an entertaining game as a neutral, Dan. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Next up on our agenda is Wolves against Brentford, the Saturday lunchtime game. Brentford, the joint youngest side in the Premier League, and the Athletics' Jay Harris has been writing about this. George, unfortunate to, to, to lose for the first time, but Brentford will be satisfied with their start, won't they? I think they will be. I think there'll probably be some frustration on their part that they haven't picked up more points, to be honest. Uh, I think in terms of performances, they've been very, very solid. Uh, looking at the the Premier League in terms of expected goals against so far this season, from open play, they are um, the third best. Only Wolves and Manchester City have conceded fewer XG uh, than they have from open play. And that is testament to the job that Thomas Frank has done. It's testament to the way that they want to play. You know, I mentioned on this podcast before the season started that despite Brentford's reputation previously for, for playing kind of an expansive brand of football, Thomas Frank himself is a pragmatist and, and it was never going to be a case that they were going to come up and try and do what, what Leeds did. Yes, they have flair players in Ivan Tony, in Brian and Bomo and even Sergi Canos, but it was always going to be built upon a very, very strong foundation. You know, they'll feel like they could have beaten and maybe should have beaten Palace. They'll feel like they could have could have at least taken a point from that game against Brighton. Um, you know, it's that 2-0 opening day win against Arsenal that is still their only victory in the league so far, despite basically playing well throughout the season. Um, this is going to be a really tough test for them. You know, I know that Wolves only got their first win uh, over the weekend, but we've said it time and time again that they've been very, very impressive under Bruno Large. And I'd say this is probably going to rank as their second toughest game of the season so far behind the maybe the Villa game so um, huh. I'd be very happy <laughs> I like that I like that laugh um, but I would I would say um, yeah I think they'll be happy but I think they're going to be learning now that points don't come easy 
in in the no. Premier League. I, I I sat next to Chris Wilder on the opening game of the season at the Vitality and spoke to him briefly about Sheffield United's um, season last season. He said, after you have a couple of bad early results, you look at the fixtures and you think, well, where are the points going to come from? And, you know, that is Brentford have beaten a very, very poor Arsenal side on opening day. And since then, they've put in three good performances and taken two points. It's tough. It's really tough. And I think it's another game this this Saturday in the early kickoff where they'd probably take a point now. Casually mentioned that you're sitting next to Chris Wilder watching football matches, George. Yeah, I, I, imagine, I, that was, I imagine that was a good day. Well, I didn't. I mean, I didn't tell him I'm an Oxford fan. I mean, I used to call him the Messiah. Back in the uh, back in the in my teens, my Facebook profile photo was just a picture of Chris Wilder. But I didn't. I didn't tell him that. I thought it might creep him out a bit. So it's creeping me out a bit, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> very, very, very good though, sitting next to a, a manager and a astute manager like Chris Wilder and watching Absolutely. football matches. Absolutely. Although actually, it was bad because. During the, he came because he was doing the Sky um, punditry, and I was I was doing post match, um, a bit post match, and he came and sat sat back down next to me at at, uh, at half time, and I uncrossed my legs, and I think I by mistake kicked him in the, in the knee, and he spent the next fifteen minutes rubbing his kneecap. So I, I don't know how much he wants to sit next to me again, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, you probably. No, I don't think I don't think he'd be doing that again. And I'll, I'll go along with what you're saying about Brentford, actually, George, because obviously I've, I've seen them play live for, for nine minutes at Villa Park this season, and that was what surprised me how hard they were to break down. I thought I've always associated Brentford with being this expansive side in the Championship, but they were a tough nut to crack. Villa didn't play badly that day, and we found it really tough to break through them. So I think their, their system, Thomas Frank's got it down very well. Ivan Tony, a massive goal scorer in the Championship, Steve, hasn't really got going yet. But I think the performances have probably been there in the main, but we're kind of just waiting for him to explode, aren't we? He's still 66-1 to to be top goal scorer this season, so we're certainly not writing him off. He, you know, he's got one goal from from eight shots um, and there's him. I think Mbwemo's had, had, had better chances than Tony th- this season as well and something that George mentioned, there's a couple of hard games coming up, particularly Chelsea and, and Liverpool at home in the next two games. But listen, they're, they're a fair old price of relegation anyway, so we, we, we don't expect Brentford to be at this current stage under too much trouble just yet. No, and Steve, we know you like to weirdly voyeur over the other West Midlands team, so we're going to we're going to let you talk talk about Wolves. What are your thoughts on them? They're off the mark now, which is their performances have been there. They've now got the three points as well. I'm annoyed, Dan. I'm annoyed. I thought I thought this guy would come in and it'd be an absolute shambles down at uh, down at Molyneux. It's uh, it's not. It, it seems to be really enjoyable down there um, at the moment, and I, and I don't like that. Uh, there seems to be a, <laughs> there seems to be a really good uh, atmosphere around the place. I think he's changed a few things in the in the dressing room as well. They finally got their first goal, or you know, and it was an own goal as well. But after seventy one shots, I think they they were pretty good against Watford yet again. They managed to turn their chances into goals. They had a number of big chances down there at at Vicarage Road. And they're just a better team to watch than that stale season that they had at last season as well. Um, the four, you know, defensively, I think they've been very sound as well, not giving up many chances, not as many as last season, that's for sure. The, the wing-backs look great as well. Samedo, I bet you've got him in your fantasy team, Dan. Samedo? No, not Samedo. No, no, no. No, 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 no. players, Steve. <laughs> okay, and I, I just no, um, no baggies players either, are there? So. No, 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 oh, you can't. Can you? No, never. Up, uh, no, I don't think like, I ever have. It's like a tag team. This one, um, um, yeah, Jimenez not to score yet. I think there's a nice uh, run of fixtures coming up after quite a difficult start. Dan, I would say Leicester Spurs yeah. and, and, and Manchester United. Um, Thirteen attempts he's had already without scoring. He's created twelve chances, and I think he's going to be primed sooner or later. They're, they're fifteen to eight to finish in the top half, and you know what? I'm not going to write that off. No, same. I mean, him, him and as George, he, once he gets one, 
he'll get going again, Werner. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, you know, there's always it was a terrible injury of his last season, and you know he deserves a lot of time. I think to get back to the level that we thought he he needed to get to because he hasn't looked sharp this season, and that's not a massive surprise given what he's been through. But they have a lot of attacking options as well. You know, we saw the debutant um, score coming off the bench on the weekend. They got Neto to come back fairly soon. The Adama Traore looks, you know, like a he's stepped up another gear so far this season. So they're not short of options and that's good for Jimenez because there's no pressure. You know, it felt like under Nuno last season before the injury, he was the goal scorer and there was nobody else to really supplement that. Whereas now they feel like a better attacking force. Um, so I'm completely in agreement with Steve. I think they look like a, a really good side who, you know, they're only on three points so far, but but they certainly deserve to be, to be on more. Yeah, and what's your tip for the game, George? Well, I think under goals has to be the way to, to look at this um, but it is is very very short I think the nil nil with bet 365 is 11 to 2 which doesn't really appeal uh, under one and a half so uh, another one nil game you know we've seen Wolves lose three times one nil this season I think and uh, and then they won two nil last time we've seen Brentford game as being pretty low scoring two so far so under one and a half and I'm adding to that in, in the bet builder a bit of a niche one both teams to be carded so one card on either side just to boost it to three to one done a bit of ref research I know you like it when I get nerdy Darren England uh, the referee for this one he has booked a player on either side in all of his last seven Premier League games so a pretty trigger happy ref uh, and given Adama Traore's uh, position on the field um, you know I think we can probably think that Brentford are going to uh, be looking to scythe him down whenever possible Wolves have had nine bookings in their four games this season as well so not a great disciplinary record um, so that'd be the way to go under one and a half and both teams to be carded also looking at Pontus Janssen I think it's always worth having a look at um, whoever is the most likely person just to kick Adama uh, to be carded and Pontus seems to fit that bill so Pontus is, yeah. is three to one to be shown a card uh, there'd be my two angles of attack unreal levels of statistic finding there from, from you George thank you very Game much Game 3 Game three on this preview show is Aston Villa against Everton at Villa Park at 5.30 on Saturday. Steve, Dean Smith said it was Villa's best performance of the season so far, losing 3-0 to Chelsea. I've got to say, I'm inclined to agree with him. Did not tell the whole story of the game at all, did he, that 3-0? No, I texted you after the game, didn't I? I was saying yeah. how, how, how unfortunate you know Villa were. And, and also the Villa fans, I thought, were in... We're in great voice, uh, I have to say. So credit to the Villa fans that travelled down the M40 or however, however they got there. Uh, I mean, that first half performance, Dan, you must have been, I don't know, kicking something in your, you know, whatever you were, 11 shots, four on target in the in in the first half. Mm. Uh, you know, winning the XG on the game as well. Small consolation um, for you and the Villa fans, I know. I didn't but... crack the champagne out for that one. No, no, of course not. Um, I mean, just seeing Lukaku with his... Well, you know, we know he only had 25 touches now, eight in the final third and, and scoring two goals. You compare that to Ollie Watkins, who who's 39 touches and 31 in the final third with nine actually in the box, which I think the most uh, player had in that game. And he had six attempts on goal, yet yet he couldn't score. Um, clearly, uh, he looked the liver of the two as well, Dan, for me, up top as well. I know you boys have got some tough runner games now, haven't you? Everton, Manchester yeah. United, Spurs, bit of a derby-ish against Wolves and Arsenal. I did want to ask you, though, Dean Smith, is he under any sort of pressure? I just keep reading the odd thing about him. Um, nah. as, a, as an outsider, I'd be surprised. I know there's probably a bit more expectation with the owners and stuff like that, but I'm just interested to know your thoughts. I feel like it's a social media problem i feel like every manager is under pressure on social media you'll always have a mob of some sorts against dean smith and 
you know, he's improved Villa season upon season. Yeah. We were mid-table in the Championship when he, when he came in and we're now a stable mid-table Premier League side at worst. So Dean Smith's improved Villa at every juncture. Absolutely no chance for me. He's under any pressure. There's a, a little bit of a mini rebuild. He's, he's always had to do rebuilds as well throughout his tenure so far because certain things have happened, getting promoted, a lot of players been out of contract. Then this season, probably a rebuild that we didn't really want to do with Grealish leaving. So I don't think he's under pressure. I think he's doing an excellent job. I think it just speaks volumes about some of the people that you get on social media, to be honest, Steve. No, no, I agree. I, th- I think he has done a, you know, a solid job there. And, and it was a bit of a surprise to me when I, you know, when I saw that, as, a, as I say, as an Albion fan looking across at Villa. Mm. And George, Everton was probably the game Villa were looking at this month as saying, yeah, this is one. But now Everton look quite quite tasty themselves. I mean, more than that, I'm, I'm getting pretty excited about Everton. Um, you know, I don't want to repeat too much what we said last week where we spoke about Benitez being an upgrade on on Ancelotti um, and, and you look at the the way that Everton play I think there is room for a team in the Premier League to play this way and be successful when you have you know of, of the say the, the 10 teams who are most likely to finish in the in the top 10 according to, to bet 365 eight or nine of them play passing attractive or attempt to play passing attractive expansive football and that just completely plays into the hand of somebody like hands of somebody like Rafa Benitez who is very very happy to let teams do that who feels probably more comfortable in games where they're not going to be facing their own kind of attack and we saw them do it very well you know against Burnley which is an awkward game for them which at half time looked like mm. it was going to fizzle out into a, into a nothing game after they went behind um, predictably to, to, to Ben Mee and you know it was always going to be that kind of goal that undid them they were then ruthless in terms of, of turning it on, um, you know, and, and, and getting the win and getting the three goals that, that took them to three points. Um, I think they look like a side who probably look weaker on paper. I mean, certainly look weaker on paper to the side that we saw last season. You know, Fernandez we spoke about last season. Obviously, no Gilfie Sigurdsson at the moment too. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin didn't play, uh, who's been the focus of their attack against Burnley. And even though Richarlson himself didn't really replace that role too well, they found other ways to score and other ways to, to provide a threat. So I, I think that Everton look well set to possibly be it wouldn't be the, the biggest surprise, I guess, if they were to crash the party. But, you know, we saw West Ham finish in the top six last season. I think if there is going to be a team, especially because I haven't been particularly impressed with how Leicester have started the campaign. Uh, I think if there is going to be a team that, that could provide a few shocks and could play their way into into European qualification, uh, it looks to me like Everton could be that side because they're going to they're gonna relish the tests against those teams who, who are going to look to play um, and they'll fancy their chances of getting something out of them. Yeah, I mean, last season, I don't think they would have scored three goals in a game without Calvert-Lewin on the pitch. So that, that shows to me there's progress. And Steve, the player that's impressing me the most, it isn't actually one of the wide players. It's actually Decora. I think I actually something flashed up on my social media from The Athletic before I came on. So I presume there must be a piece about the way he's playing this season on The Athletic. Yeah. So... He's just been he's been excellent, and in this game against Villa, he's the kind of physical player in midfield that, that Villa struggle against. I, I think he could have a big say on Saturday. Yeah, I thought he was I thought he was fantastic. Second half, only had a chance, didn't he, in the first half um, that was saved, and then second half, I think there were substitutions, wasn't there? Ben Godfrey, that I think Rafa changed his formation from yeah, a, a three a three four three to a to more of a four three three. Godfrey went off, at, um, and then he. 
he got a little bit further forward and I thought, you know, some of the balls that he was putting through, I thought were absolutely mouthwatering. And he's, um, he's when he has been given the chance, I've, I've, he's in my, in my notebook as a player to back to score, actually, and for shots on target as well because of just the presence he's had this season. Not sure whether, with, with, you know, whether he can sustain it, but he's certainly one that, uh, that you'll have to look out for uh, at the weekend. Is he involved in your tip for this game? He's not actually. Um, I'd like uh, Damari Gray to score. Brummy, of course, a, a blue nose going back. Well, uh, you'd like anyone to score, Steve? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Listen, the snip of all snips at one point seven million or what it was, but you know, three goals from three shots on target. But I'm going to go for Ollie Watkins to score. Actually, uh, to score at any time. I'm not sure that Everton. Not totally convinced by that Everton defence yet. Ben Godfrey, I think, was their best defender last season. He's not up to speed yet, but I think uh, Watkins can make amends for last week at Stamford Bridge and uh, and get on the score sheet. He did get the first goal when you played him. I think he only played once against Everton last season and got the first goal. And I'm, yeah. I'm backing him. To, I'm, I'm backing him to score at any time in this game on uh, on this weekend. Yeah, he really caused the Everton defence problems in that game, and it is the same defence. So you'd presume he can do the same again. Fingers crossed. Anyway. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Game four, West Ham against Manchester United, the first game of Super Sunday. Good start for, from West Ham so far this season, George, but they're going to have to try and get something out of Manchester United without Mikael Antonio. Yeah, after his um, his red card means he misses the game, which is which is obviously a big blow. Um, they don't really have a, a natural striker to come in to replace him. Interesting to see Sebastian Haller uh, score four goals in the yeah. Champions League uh, in midweek. Not something that West Ham fans saw very often. Um, but even though they don't have a an out-and-out striker necessarily to come come in and, and, and kind of play that role, they've got so many attacking options. You know, Ben Rama, Fornals has started the season very well indeed. Something we, ha- we haven't really seen from him. He's been disappointing so far in his career, but playing well. Uh, Ben Rama, Bowen there as well, uh, Lanzini, you know, plenty of players who can who can play and cause cause issues. So Bowen yes, probably they lose top owner. You'd think so, yeah. Uh, and then um, Vlasic as well, who who came off the bench for his debut uh, in the Premier League uh, on the on the weekend as well, uh, who scored I think twenty odd goals um, or twenty five goals in two seasons uh, in his last two campaigns. So they've got goals still in their team, um, and you know we can often see, as was the case with Everton. Sometimes um, when that kind of focal part comes out of the side, sometimes other players step up and, and can provide the firepower. But David Moyes' record against Manchester United, David Moyes' record for and against Manchester United are both equally terrible. Um, <laughs> the, the last time he beat uh, United in any competition was on opening day of the 2012-2013 season when his Everton side won 1-0 uh, at Goodison. 
Um, since then, it's been pretty dire. Uh, six defeats and two two losses. Although last season, it should be pointed out that in this in this fixture with West Ham at home, uh, West Ham were, were by far the better team in the first half and took it took the lead. I think they they batted United and then United second half performance was much much better, and they won the game three one. So it wasn't without some promise. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly Antonio, Antonio will be a big miss, but West Ham will definitely fancy their chances to to upset um, what is a bit of a wounded animal after the events of midweek. Yes, Dave, let's pick up on that then. Young boys, two, Manchester United, one. And if there's any criticism of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it is perhaps his lack of tactical now at certain times. And his, his record in the Champions League actually is really, really poor. Got found out a little bit. I know they had 10 men, but they, they should be performing better. It was a very poor performance, even with 10. Oh, massively so. I mean, it looked like business as usual, didn't it? In Burn, Ronaldo scoring, taking the lead. And, you know, young boys were were 20 to 1 in play, actually, before before that Wan-Bissaka uh, red card. But did they have two shots all game, Manchester United, both on target, none after 25 minutes? Mm. Uh, I mean, you, you, you're questioning the, the manager... You know, in that, this is Manchester United away at, at, at Young Boys. It's, it's. I find it baffling, and I know that Ollie's going to be going nowhere. You know, any any time soon, he's going to be there for a long while. But it does bring up plenty of question marks tactically about Ollie. Listen, Manchester United are still long odds on to qualify from the a group that contains Young Boys, Atalanta, and Villarreal. So I don't see any problems on that front. But it's just yet another game where, yeah. It's been a, a, just a disappointing performance in general. Yeah, Ronaldo scoring almost at will, George. Although he, I've never known a player get so much help from goalkeepers to score three goals. The, the goalkeepers just seem to want him to score. It feels like they might be a bit intimidated by his presence on the pitch. Yeah. Um, you know, he opened the scoring and it felt like at that point they were going to ease to victory. Um, but it, there's just a few things to point out here. There's been a, a frustrating... And it, it kind of happens a lot with Solskjaer, but there's been a frustrating kind of narrative around this game saying, well, it's, it's just a Jesse Lingard back pass that's gone wrong that's caused them to lose the game. No. It just completely misses the point of the fact that it was just a completely abject display. In a way, I would almost say that a 2-1 defeat, 08 young boys with 10 men in itself isn't too concerning. You're down to 10 men for 65 minutes. You know, it's it's difficult. They're a Champions League side. It's not easy to, to do, but it was just the way they tried to manage the game that was just baffling switching to a five at the back, offering basically no attacking intent whatsoever, trying to cling on to a draw. It's just, it's not the first time and it's not really the last time that we see an inability to manage games. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, if I was a United fan, I'd be very frustrated. It's good that it's the first game. It's good that it's an away game. Uh, and, you know, they, as they saw last season, winning your first couple of Champions League games isn't a guarantee to getting through. So they need to put it right. Um it's you know we've we've seen Manchester United under Solskjaer in a in a microcosm so far this season two brilliant performances and and big wins and two games where they've just really really struggled to break a team down. Yeah, my biggest takeaway from that game, Steve, was that there's two players starting that were in there I think to build confidence in Van der Beek and and Sancho. Both of them have been hooked and confidence is now probably on the floor. I mean, I don't think mm. I've seen Sancho do anything right so far in a Manchester United shirt. No, that seems to be a. A bit of a narrative. I think there's just a few people that were were really excited when when Sancho came on the scene. We'd obviously seen him in in Germany scoring the goals and and assisting and etc. And then you kind of waiting it to happen, and then and it just hasn't happened as yet. And 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 Van der Beek, you got a feel for him. He's coming in. He's you know, I 
you know, he worked his socks off for by all accounts, and he's just not dropping for him at the moment, or he's just no. not getting um, he's, he's not getting any joy in that Manchester United shirt. So, an interesting time for those two lads. Yeah, tip for the game. Um, it's kind of a bit of a theme here, and I feel bad for doing it, but I've, I've got to back West Ham or draw even money. I think the the mm. three to four or one point seven five about United to go and get a win there is just very short that United are obviously the likely winners it wouldn't be a massive surprise at all if they did win but this is a very good West Ham side um, who as I say even though they don't have the that focal point in attack with, with Antonio gone they've got enough attacking talent to, to cause United big issues um, they will be less prone to being caught on the counter which is where United have had a lot of joy so far this season um, the one other angle I would look at as well is 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 to wait and see who is playing up front because Antonio's absence means there are some tasty prices in the goal scorer markets around a few players Bowen is 11 to 1 first goal scorer uh, Vlasic 11 to 1 as well so if, if one of those two players is taking that striker role um, that's probably a false price because they'll be priced up where they normally play but um, yeah nothing until we know who's there um, that's kind of a, a tip maybe for an hour before kickoff but yeah I'm laying United very sorry United fans please don't be angry with me it's nothing personal uh, and siding with West Ham or draw at even money Game five, Spurs at V Chelsea, 4.30pm on Sunday. Spurs, George, abysmal against Crystal Palace. I know the 10 men ch- changed the game, the sending off of Tanganga, but they've just looked so stodgy, strange midfield selection. I know they've, they've got a few injuries, but they just didn't look good at all. Yeah, it was weird because when, when the team news came out and we saw that Hojbjerg, uh, Winks and Skip were all starting, I thought, okay, well, Nuno's obviously trying to play a team here that's going to control the game that's going to have all of the ball and try and stop Palace from playing the game that they want to play which is now going to be quite possession based under Vieira but they couldn't get a foothold in the game at all and the biggest concern for me and this is is often you know I I, I try and listen to as many manager interviews as possible after games because you get a pretty good insight into their psyche but Nuno's comments after the match were absolutely baffling where he said we controlled the game until half time I don't think anybody watching that game of football thought that there was any semblance of control from Spurs at all. It wasn't even a case of just Palace having the ball and being kept at arm's length. Palace were creating chances. Palace looked dangerous. At half-time, Palace looked clearly the more likely winners. So you have to caveat it by knowing that that often managers will say what they say in the press for their players rather than for their fans. And maybe it was a case of just trying to stop any crisis of confidence. But... um, you know, even the the manager of the month award that he won on the back of those three one wins felt like a bit of a false award, given that we'd all seen the performances went really up to scratch. Um, so I'd be concerned. You know, it's nine points from four games is a very good start on paper, but again, football isn't binary, and anybody who's watching these Spurs performances knows that things aren't necessarily looking too good. You know, we're going to get another 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 view of them uh, this evening in France um, against a team. Who, who also like to press high and, and like to dominate games. So, um, yeah, concerning. I mean, to play against Palace and to have Harry Kane back on your side and have just, even up until the red card, let's ignore what happens afterwards, up until the red card, just give him absolutely no service at all or an opportunity to use his goal-scoring ability. Big, big alarm bells ringing for me. I mean, the state of the Spurs fans will be desperate for Son to come back because, to be fair, he's got a good record in the big game, Son, so they'll be desperate to have him back anyway. But Harry Kane will be desperate to have him back as well, won't he? The two of them, as everyone knows, works in they work in tandem fantastically well. And again, it's been well highlighted about Kane uh, last weekend. You know, no touches in the box. He's he's only had eight touches in the box, Dan, all season. Uh, I know it's three games. Um, it's the same as Ronaldo's had in in one game. He's had two shots <laughs> in, in 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 three games. You have a look at his heat map. His heat map is forty yards away from goal. 
on the left-hand side. It's it, it, it's quite worrying. Kane may have some joy because Mendy's been brilliant for Chelsea this season and, you know, Villa have carved them open. In fact, Larissa Mendy are, are, are top of the goals prevented table as well. So he could end this. I say barren run. It's not 33 games he's gone without scoring. It's just it's just three games and he is a quality player. But um, yeah, there's clearly a lack of a supply line for him and he's dropping a lot deeper. Um, I know he's very good at doing that, but it would, would be a concern for me. Yeah, I've got Chelsea down as overwhelming favourites for this one, George. Yeah, they have to be, I think. Um, a similar performance from Spurs as the one we saw against Palace would mean that Chelsea will just will just blitz them because that is a, a performance of a side towards the bottom end of the table, not towards the top end. Um, we've seen Chelsea uh, with Lukaku in their, in their team. You know, he's been called the, the missing piece of the jigsaw. Well, I mean, the, the jigsaw wasn't too bad before uh, Lukaku came in and now he's there. Um, they just look completely rampant. Um, Saul had a, had a very difficult first half uh, against against Villa and as soon as he was hooked um, there was an element of control back in their midfield with Kovacic and, and Jorginho um, despite Villa's you know very very best efforts which were, which were pretty good in that game so it, it's hard for me to understand why um, there would be a huge improvement from, from Spurs uh, I guess maybe playing against a side who will possibly play with a high line well, who will play with a high line and therefore leave space in behind for, for Son and Kane to do their thing might bring out something of a reaction but they're, they're so, they look so far away from doing that at the moment um, that yeah Chelsea look not you know, not just favourites I, th- I think that it's more likely that Chelsea go and win this game by, by two or three than it is that Spurs that Spurs win it it's, I tell you what George it's an interesting one Manchester United and Chelsea are both the same price at the weekend to win mm. away from home so you know the question there who would you rather back I presume by the tone of your voice and Dan's as well that you're massively with yeah. Chelsea as opposed to Manchester and that, and, United that, and that exactly. also shows that the market at the moment has West Ham and I mean given that you know there's not a great deal between Chelsea United and the market what probably four or five points over the course of the season shows that the, the market has West Ham and Spurs as, as pretty pretty much level pegging uh, which given Spurs' performance on the weekend and given where West Ham finished last season, maybe shouldn't be a surprise these days. No, Steve, what's your tip for that game then? I'm going to go with Harry Kane, but not to break his uh, his goal-scoring duck for the season. He's actually got uh, more bookings than goals against Chelsea during his Premier League career. And I'm just gambling on him maybe being a little bit frustrated with, with the way that everything's going at the moment. So I'm going to go for Harry Kane to be booked around the 6-1 to one mark. You've been hanging around with George so much with that with that kind of bet stuff. <laughs> Good to have the yellow card for the striker. Too much, yeah, way too yeah, much I, research has gone in for that. I treat him like a son, yeah. <laughs> right, then that, that does us for this week's show. So one final reminder that you can sign up to The Athletic at the moment for just £3.33 a month by heading to theathletic.com slash footballpod. Plenty of new content every day. So if you're not already subscribed, go and take advantage of that offer. Thanks ever so much to George and to Steve for joining me. And remember to hit subscribe so you never miss a show. And if you want to leave us a review, if you're feeling generous, you can do that as well. We'll be back next Friday morning. Whoever you support, have a great weekend. Cheers. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.